Hey everybody and welcome to another podcast of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host Shanice and happy Memorial Day. I hope everybody is out there enjoying their family, friends, etc. Or even if you're just spending the day along, you know, being productive. I hope everybody is having a good day. As for me, I'm just pretty much uh, going to the gym, working out a little bit. Still packing up a lot of clothes and the house up because I'm currently relocating as I've been sharing with my listeners. So I'm getting packed up, just getting stuff done, but decided to take a break and come on here and pod with you guys. Today we will be doing another review. We're going to go ahead and finish our Narcos continuation. We will um, be on episode 5 today. So we are in the midway of the season. Then we go to season 2. Then we're going to move along and start reviewing Narcos Mexico. And then we're going to take it to the West Coast and talk about Snowfall. So I hope you guys are enjoying the platform. Enjoying the content as I am a new creator. So everything is not all the way up there but I do plan to get better I'm trying my best and I hope I am entertaining you guys so welcome and don't forget you can follow me or hit me up on any of my social media platforms I am on Facebook under the same name Alicia Shanice I am on Instagram under Alicia Shanice if you love music and you have the Spotify app Go follow me on Spotify. Follow my playlist. I made all of them public. I got some dope playlists on there. Some of my favorite music. Um, They're all titled Shanice Love. So I have etc. Shanice Loves the Blues. Shanice Loves 90s Hip Hop. Or Shanice Loves 90s 2 music. So 90s is my hip hop. 90s 2, that's my R&B. Just follow the playlist. You'll get the drift, groove out, turn your music up. See my taste in music. So anyway, with that being said, let's go on and get into the show. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. All right, so this episode opens up and we see Galan giving a powerful speech and saying how they have to stand up to the narcos and the only reason that they win is due to bribery, intimidation, and violence. Then we go to the next scene, well, right to the next scene, and it shows Gaviria kind of going over the speech by... um, Mainly, he writes them. You know, he's kind of like his campaign secretary, his right-hand man. Then it shows the future um, vice minister of justice coming in, who will be Kavira's right-hand man, saying, uh, you should know the speech by heart. You wrote it. So they're kind of going over how much courage Galan has to say what a lot of people want. So a lot of people, and that was very true. That was something that wasn't dramatized. A lot of people thought that the it would be a great future with Galan being president because he was the one person who would say who know what no one else would. He wasn't afraid. And, you know, he said, he, he he said he would stand they would stand up you know the plateau of plomo that didn't require to him because a lot of politicians were getting paid off to just look the other cheek look the other way let everything goes you know taking the briberies or if not taking the briberies then just uh falling for intimidation because you know they had to look out for their family you know if they didn't go ahead and if they signed or said something against the narcos, then that could be their family that was murdered or kidnapped or etc. So Galan was was wasn't scared and Gaviria, he was more, you know, the brains behind the operation, even though they both were smart. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like he wrote the speeches, had everything prepared, but he was more like, don't be the United States puppet. Don't just um, kind of cater to that extradition because that's what they're looking for. And that, that that's going to make us look like their puppet. So that's the opening scene. And then we go to the very next scene. And we have Pena and Elisa in the bed together. So now Pena is sleeping with yet another informant. 
<laughs> that's what he does best on the show. Uh, uh, the DEA agent Pinyu, uh, him and uh, Murphy, they go around doing a lot of interviews to this day. And he says that his love life was very dramatized. They make it seem like he sleep with everybody. But anywho, the next scene is um, Agent Murphy in a bed with um, one of the leaders of the communist groups of M19. She's one of the co-leaders of the group. Now she's in hiding. She's being, um, protected because she knows that, uh, Escobar sent them to basically to their Supreme court to burn it down and kill all the evidence of everything they had on him in the private room and destroy it and it killed half and this is a fact it did kill like half of the judges and everybody who worked in there and they did destroy all the evidence so the DEA have her hidden and they're kind of just talking he's telling her he wants to protect her and she's saying I'm not afraid I'm not running from my country he like look I don't want Escobar to find you and kill you she's you know cocky with it like not if I kill him first Okay. Um, but I don't know if her character was, um, dramatized. I think so. Um, uh, agent Murphy said he wasn't running around sleeping with communists, but I'm not for sure. This was more drama. This, this was more probably just dramatized for the shows. Um, but I'm not sure about that. If her character was based off a real person or not, but that's the next scene. And then we get directly to, um, we go into the office and then Agent Murphy and Penny are going back and forth because they're scared that they get caught, um, basically protecting the communists that they'll be tried for treason because that is considered treason. So they're just talking about what should they do? And Murphy, and then, you know, Penny is going a little too extra hard for protecting Elisa. And Murphy just asks, are you sleeping with her too? And he like, he kind of makes a joke because Penny sleeps with every woman he brings into custody to so-called protect. Um, so they're kind of going back and forth because, you know, they're nervous that if they get caught, you know, they're in trouble. Then we get here and it's another scene of everybody having a meeting together with between the narco i'm sorry not the narcos sorry guys i got a phone call let me put it on do not disturb because they are bothering us while i'm recording um so yeah we get to the next scene and we get to a meeting where um it's the dea agents and the cia agents the ambassador the um military they're all in the meeting and trying to see which the best way to go about everything as well and the DEA, the DEA still has their theory that Pablo was behind the Palace of Justice, you know, thing that they had when they went in there and burnt it down and tortured everybody. And they're saying that, you know, they, they don't, that's just a theory. So basically the CIA and DEA is having a normal argument and he, they're saying that they believe that uh, Pablo is in Panama getting protected by Manuel Noriega. And then they say, how is that even possible? Manuel Noriega, he's a good man. And they take a, the CIA takes offense to that because remember, Manuel Noriega was a C, CIA asset. He worked directly with Big Bush. Um, so he basically was playing both sides. He was a CIA asset acting like he was protected, um, you know, on the side of, you know, anti-communism, but then he was also a drug smuggler as well. So he was also working with the narcos, smuggling his drugs right along with them. So then he, you know, played for the communist side. So Manny and Noriega played both sides. So they're kind of arguing back and forth because the DEA agents is telling them like, look, um, I do see that, uh, you know, they have wiretaps that they're being protected over there and all of that. And the, the CIA is saying they take offense to that. Uh, Mayor Noriega's been on our side the whole time. So they're going back and forth. And then, you know, they mentioned Lisa, the, the girl from the M19. And uh, so they basically pretty much know that um, the DEA does have an informant and it probably is one of the com the communists from the M19 is either the priest or 
Elisa Alvarez, who was sleeping with, who was the, was the girlfriend of Alejandro, the other co-leader. So they're kind of bickering back and forth. As we know, the DEA and the CIA, they're all, they don't play for the same team, <laughs> even though they both work for the government. So we go to the next scene and we go to Panama City and we have all of the narcos together. By now we know Carlos later, he's been arrested. He's the first one to go. So He's the first one to go. And as we talked about before, we know that that didn't play out that way that it did. Um, Carlos later, he was um, always messing with the, the cocaine and he was a, a wildfire. Um, if you're into a, a lot of true crime and just be want to know like the true facts of the story, if you check out this guy on YouTube, his name is George uh, Val Valderez, I believe. If I, I'll go look it up um, for his he has a YouTube page and he actually was a part of the meddling cartel in a way he wasn't what he was a part of it. He was like a hit, um, a big accountant in Miami and he tells a lot of the stories too. And, um, even George Jung from the movie blow with Johnny Depp, he talks about, he doesn't go into full detail. He still, you know, kind of keeps a lot to himself that he doesn't say a lot, but he does give you a little bit of insight. And he said, Pablo basically said that you need to testify against Carlos later. So we know for a fact that in Narcos, that was definitely dramatized. So Carlos later, he is gone. And now uh, we have the rest of the co-leaders still there. And they're all hiding out in Panama City. We have the two Ochoa brothers. We have Gotcha, Gustavo, and Pablo. And they're sitting there talking about, um, and they also show, uh, the Choa's little sister sitting there as well. So they're going back and forth about how they can do this. Fernando walks up and stays still not safe to go home. Fabio is pissed off as always, as always. And, you know, he bl he's blaming everything on Pablo because Pablo is the one who's, you know, starting all the war with violence and it's costing them, their, costing them money. So now they're thinking about just trying to pay Colombia's debt off so they can go back home. And they don't want to do that. The biggest thing is they do not want to get extradited and they're ready to go home. And they're talking about how the food is trash in Panama City and everything and how Mayor Noriega is charging them so much. So he was really hiding them over there as well. And I'm sure the CIA knew that. Okay, so the next scene is we have Mr. Escobar and Mrs. Escobar. We have Pablo and Tata. They're sitting there and she's telling him how unhappy she is. What's the point of having money if we can't go where we want to go and, you know, all of that. And this is where he makes the mistake of his life at because, you know, he tells her, like, look, if we go back. We're going to have to fight. You don't know what I'm going to have to do. And she tells him, do what you have to do. I'm ready to go home. I hate it here. So he does what he has to do. Now, in reality, I believe that this was completely dramatized. I believe that um, in this show that they dramatized his wife um, from looking at interviews of the real um, Mrs. Escobar. It, it seems like she was very submissive and probably did everything that he wanted um they even said um that that's how they got away in the end when pablo was finally murdered the cali cartel wanted to kill his whole family and they let her go because she always basically stayed in her place as a wife so you know, in the show, the character, it makes it like his wife is just eager and ready to go back home. So he just says, okay, we're going back home. But, you know, this is where the, that war, war with the government starts from him deciding to go home. And he pulls that match. So then we go right to the next scene. And this is a sad scene because it's a president candidate. Galan and then his um like right hand man at the time Guevara who helped him with everything on his campaign and he's pulling up to do another speech um everybody's excited to see him because one thing about this this town they um the Colombia they loved it him they were rooting for Galan he was like a man of the for the people as well so they have him pulling up to do a speech. Guevara is kind of telling him, you know, giving him warnings, you know, calm down on some of the stuff you're saying. We don't want no more violence. We want peace. And Galan is saying how he wants to bring peace back to Colombia and make it safe. So, um, you know, pretty much a good man. And you really look at the hindsight of everything. 
and he pulls up and he gets murdered as soon as he gets there and the sad part about this is um they the, it's like a good thing because they show us the raw footage and you do see what happens but you do have to feel bad for their families who it's probably hard for them to watch this to see the real footage of their family family members being slaughtered like that um so that's one thing I do like about it is they show the, um, even though it's a TV show, it's Hollywood and they dramatize a lot. I do like how they do show the raw footage so they can show people like, Hey, this was real. This guy really had the power enough to do all of this. And it kind of makes you think it had to be some people on the outside for that them to get so close to Galan and do that. But yeah, that was terrible. So they basically, you know, they were looking for Galan to bring a future of hope and they murdered him right there and drag, um, shows him taking him to the car, to the limo, the real foot, real footage. It shows all the people in Colombia mourning him, crying and having rallies to stop the violence. So then we go directly to the next scene and Pablo is sitting there just chilling. He know he just put the hit on Galan. So if Galan is, got touched Everybody else would be afraid to even come after them. So now he's ready to go home. <laughs> here comes here comes Fabio, mad as usual. Here he comes fussing. I don't know what the expressions he makes on this show just cracks me up. But Fabio is tired of the violence. He's like, you're bringing too much heat on us. So he comes fussing and Pablo just shuts him down. Like, look, I'm ready to go home. Go pack up. Let's get on this plane. Make a long story short. So... He walks away and then it shows the funeral and Galan's son giving a, a heartfelt speech and just saying how his father was fearless and it will still be a future in Colombia. And that's when he basically, they kind of just proceed to say next is Guevara for president. He will bring a future and you could tell Guevara, he looks at his wife and he's nervous because he even though he was there the whole time, he was more quiet with everything. He was telling Galan not to say so many things because he want he didn't want to bring the violence, and he definitely did not want to be a United States puppet, like just to go with their case for the extradition so they could get what they want. He wants to do his best for his country, but he's a little more low key with how he moves. And then you have the new future uh, vice minister of justice. He kind of puts his hands up, like, "Yep, he'll do it." He'll do it. So, yeah. And it, uh, you can just see the fire in Galan's son at the speech and tell that that was his son. Next scene, we go into uh, Govira and right after the funeral and the phone is ringing off the hook. His wife tells him like, hey, you know, everybody's calling you in support. And he's just trying to block everything out because he's still fearful about becoming and running for president because he knows he's putting his own life and not only his life, but his family life in danger as well. And um, I believe that this was true. Like, who wouldn't be afraid even though you have all this security, who wouldn't be afraid to put themselves in their situation? But in hindsight, you do want to do what's best for your country if you're in the politics, even though politics is a completely dirty game. I don't believe anybody is in politics off a clean slate. It just seems like it's all just dirty and corruptible. They say those are the biggest gangsters in the world. It's the government of all countries, just about. So then we get to the next scene and we show them the narcos on a plane and they are headed back to Colombia, honey. They're ready. They're awesome. <laughs> you get to Fabio, Fabio mad again. <laughs> he pouting and his brother like, just chill. We, we can't go to Spain right now. We have to be close so we can know what's going on and watch our stuff. Uh, gotcha. He just sitting there. He ready for war. Gotcha. Don't give up. Bloop, bloop. Gotcha. Just like, hey, it is what it is. Let's go back and fight. Gustavo um, shows Tata she's ready to go back home. She's smiling, cheesing, because she, she going back home. Show little Juan Pablo. And then we go and we see Gustavo. He in the books as well. That's the businessman, the brains behind the entire operation as far as for on there, on the, like, Gustavo's and Pablo's business part of it. He's the brains behind that. Um, then it shows the Choa's little sister. She kind of comes by. Kind of taps Gustavo. You can see it's a little something they have going on on the side. Gustavo gets up and he um, talks to Pablo on the side. Just let him know like this war is costing us a lot. 
business is good we got all we still got all this tons of cocaine over in cocaine but you have to calm down with all of this you know you should have discussed this with me with galan pablo doesn't he's not trying to hear it he he's not trying to hear it he's, he's gonna do it his way it is what it is basically um but i i it just shows their brotherhood you know he does listen to gustavo but he does what he wants to do so then we go to the direct next scene and then we see agent pena walking in to see um carrillo and he asks him uh he's like i hear the narcos are back and he's like why are you speaking in uh why are you speaking in english he, and then he basically says because most of the new um officers that he have um he doesn't trust them basically and he's saying that he has wiretaps and he you know knows this but he's been hearing his own men you know give secrets away to the local sicarios and the narcos and that was definitely true as well pablo and all of them had a lot of cops paid off working for them and they would tip them off and then probably even if they didn't want to and wanted to do the right thing they did it because they were afraid for their family if you spoke out or you did something that could just be your whole family murdered and there's nothing you could do about it so you know he he's trying to do the right thing and his officers basically you don't know who to trust so he knows that he can trust uh agent pena and everything so he kind of they have a really good relationship and i believe that agent pena was more in the the mud of everything like probably you know he 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 spoke spanish very well he was even in uh he even got sent to mexico when everything happened with kiki camarena he was like on the task force to help look for them look for him as well so i believe he was more in involved more than murphy because they weren't out there like how they show them arresting later that didn't happen like that and all of that but i believe pena was more involved in in real life he really did have the informants and definitely with the cali cartel but you know we'll get to that part a little later but yeah they he was definitely involved with the a Cali cartel so then we get to the next scene and then Guevara and the new vice minister of justice are talking and he's you know trying to tell him like you can do this and they're picking out everything and they're trying to figure out the best way to approach the new election which way should they go should they say that they're going for extradition their extradition they're basically trying to plan it smart and a you know a good platform good way to enter into this and say their speech before they go so then we have Pablo. He's back in Colombia. He's rolling up him a joint, which they do say that he never touched cocaine. They say he he was never, you know, um, a, a cocaine head. He he didn't he didn't fool with it, but he smoked a lot of weed. So they always show us that he's always smoking a joint. So they did say that he smoked a lot of weed. Um, we see him rolling up. He's sitting there talking to his lawyer, Fernando, and his mistress, Valeria, who handles all of his, you know, she's the one who brought him into the media with all of the interviews and basically kind of like his own personal publicist and his little side mistress. But they're telling him that now they have Guevara and, you know, basically telling him that his style and what he might do when he's kind of a pushover so they may be able to get their way. So Pablo sends them to do his work and talk to him and see where his head is at because they don't know which way he's going to go. And his main thing is remember, which was always the big picture and the main point, he did not want extradition. He used to always say he'd rather be in a grave than in a holding cell in the United States. Don't blame him. So then we go and we get to the next scene, which the Ochoa brothers are sitting there. They're um, doing their brushing their horses and talking. Fabio is still he ready to go, and his big brother is telling him like, "Look, chill. We need to sit here, see what's going on here, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Then they ask where is the baby sister at, and she said, "I think she went shopping. She could shop for weeks." And 
We get directly to the next scene and we see where the baby sister is at. She is having her own little private affair with Gustavo. And we, we see when she brushed aside him on a plane that it was something to that. So they're having their own affair. They're, you know, getting their thing on and she's talking really dirty to him. And also mentioning, you know... So we, we we can tell from the conversation that he's also a married man and you know he doesn't care about his wife blase blase and how her brothers were getting on her nerves so after we move that little freaky freaky part we go and then we see valeria and fernando going to meet with the vice minister of justice and gavira trying to see where his head is at and valeria says you know i know you're a smart man you who would give you know their own citizens of their country to another country so you know they're trying to talk to him and she you know makes the point of saying if Galan was smart you know it would have been a future so the vice minister kind of jumps tells them they have no shame and blase blase tell them how the money must be good because remember Fernando before he got started being Pablo's own personal attorney he was with the this party so he kind of switched over and now he's basically just the narcos attorney so they get into it they throw him out the office um let them know we not even we not even finna start those conversations no bribery we don't want to hear all that we'll do what we do you'll see what we say at the at, at our next um speech you'll see what we go for so then we see we got the guy who is in the military on the U.S. side talking to Agent Pena, telling him, you know, communists, they want everything. I like the own shit, basically. So, you know, he's telling them, like, you better pick what side you're on and know what's good for you. And if we find out that you were holding an informant because we just got the priest oh, you will get tried is what he's telling Pena. Pena's a little nervous because he knows that even though he doesn't have the priestess's informant, he got Elisa. So he runs and goes um, to try to get a visa. And he just basically flirts with the lady, you know, let her know that he needs somebody. It's an informant. Uh, if it's that easy, whatever. I'm, I'm going to leave that comment alone. But anyway, she basically does it for him and they get Elisa paperwork done. Make a long story short. Then we get to the next scene and then we see Gustavo creeping back. Acting like he'd been working all day, but he'd been working with um, one of the Choa sisters all day. And Pablo's like, where you been? Gustavo's like, at the office. And he's like, no, call out the office. He's like, oh, I, nope, call out there. Oh, nope, call out there. So he knows Gustavo is lying, but he basically saying, like, are you with me or not? Gustavo takes off his hat, looks at him. Looks at him like a man, eye to eye. Um, Pablo pulls out explosive. He like, so what you gonna kill us both? Pablo like, I'm not scared to die. Are you? He like, nope. So they kind of have their little moment, their little brotherly heated argument. And Gustavo like, look, I might don't agree with everything you're doing, but when have I not been on your side? So Pablo's starting to doubt people, not trust people, especially the Choa brothers, because he knows Gotcha's ready for war. Gotcha, he, he down for it. The Choa brothers, they about business. They not with all this war on the government and everything from what they're showing here. But like I said, we don't know if that's true, um, unless you did way more research than me, which I'm sure like if you're a narco fan like I am, you might've went way more in depth with me. Um, I just kind of just do a little bit of digging around I kind of I just love stuff like this so I love to talk about it so I might not know everything but as far as like from what I've seen from the research I've done I'm not quite sure if they were just ex ex um against that war like that because when you go back and you look they were talking crash uh, stuff too so I don't know if they just were a war um against that war like that you know they they were completely against extradition and it looks like they were all on the same side from the things and then when you go look at the other tv show because this is the story and it's a really good show um whoever did this this is an amazing show and then on how they brought the other universe so yeah it's really put together but we have to realize this is the american side of what happened in columbia this is america's story and it's also the cop side so we don't know exactly even though they had all the wire tapes and everything i'm sure it was way more to it you know and it's dramatized but basically pablo's starting to get nervous him and gustavo they have words and you know he knows that 
Gustavo is on his side. They're like brothers. They they were best friends, and I believe to me, it uh, looks like from looking on looking all the way on the outside that that might have been like one of the downsides to the, his empire falling is when Gustavo got murdered. That that's that he was the brains behind the operation and that's who he always knew he he had on his side that he could trust you know he could trust the sicarios but gustavo that was his business partner that was his brother so then we do get to the next scene after that and we see uh gavira he's sitting there looking at the paperwork he's basically deciding you know what will he say at his speech should he go for the extradition he know what he wants to do he know what's right but he wants to protect his family as he should so we get to the next scene and we see carillo he's basically made pablo his obsession night day morning whatever he's listening to wiretapes back and forth back and forth He's learned Pablo's favorite music, what kind of sheets he likes, what kind of food he likes, everything. So he's listening to everything. Then it show Pablo and Tata dancing and showing how he loved his wife and would do anything for his wife. And they do say that he was a family man to the end in, you know, true and, you know, that's not dramatized that basically you know, at the end, he died for his family. Like, that's why he, he just kind of gave gave up, you know, and let himself be found because they were saying, like, Medellin loved Pablo Escobar. They still love him to this day. Like, he had plenty of places he could hide, and people, they weren't snitching because he built their communities. He gave them homes. He gave people off the street. So then it basically goes to the next scene and we see how easy it was for Pablo to call a hit, a score that was uh, how he talked in code, the score that was a code. Did you hit a goal? That was a code, like a code for killing judges, um, reporters who went on the news and talked about him, um, people who, you know, went against the grain. Uh, so it just shows on how he was doing hits easily. He would do a hit just playing soccer with his son he'd be like oh did you get that goal but that was basically him putting a hit on somebody or seeing if the hit went through we get to the very next scene and then we see carillo and his fellow um uh cops or you know other people in the military talking to him his um basically uh work associates and he's basically ready to quit and give up because his family has been threatened uh, the his neighborhood they have all signed um you know, petitions for them to move because they're so scared that it could be a bomb or anything put in their apartment complex or on the street just to harm him. And, you know, it's really doing a very terrible thing to his family. And, you know, that's understandable. And Carrillo is definitely based off of, he's a, not a real character, but he kind of puts you in the mind and they say Colonel Martinez and Colonel Martinez really did go go through all that where people were, his neighbors uh, were filing petitions for him to move off of the street or out of that apartment because they were scared that, you know, harm could come to them. And, you know, it does put a toll and a weight on your family when you're in that type of situation and he was the only one who wouldn't back down. So I don't think Martinez went as far as Carrillo because Carrillo, cop or not, you he did dirty shit in here so i'm just not all the way on his side either even though you know all the things that they experience would take you there your colleagues getting murdered left to right and you having to go explain to their family that they were murdered in a line of duty for this un you know unnecessary war so he's kind of going back and forth and they're telling him like if you quit it'll look bad on you he's like i don't give a damn and he's like i don't know who i can trust he's like i need men that i can trust you want me to put my family in danger i need men i can trust so that's basically on how the search block was created and in reality it was a real search block there was a team of you know young men that that's what they were put on for the search block was to bring down Pablo Escobar and the Medellin cartel but while he's rallying up his own personal soldiers and they're getting ready you know they the search block who else is building up his own little private little own search block you guessed it Mr. Escobar so they show La Kika and Poison going to the, you know, local communities in the neighbor in the inner cities of the neighborhood, and they're recruiting their own little 
soldiers, and most of the Sicarios were teenagers. They were young, very, very young men, and they felt indebted to Pablo because they might have been living on the street, not having anything dirt poor, and this man and the other co-leaders of the Medellin cartel, but especially Pablo, you know, his name was the more, you know, that ran supreme, uh, they they built hospitals for them. They built schools. They built new homes. They finally had homes. So they felt indebted to him. They felt honored. So they would go recruit the little um, young man, basically make them runners to see if they were reliable, if they were trustworthy, if they could be trusted, and also if they had heart. Because most of them, they already knew that if they were going to go and they were going to work for Pablo, that they probably would be dead soon. But most of them had to add it was like, hey, you know, I'll be dead anyway, you know, by the environment they were in. And that's just interesting to see because, um, you know, over here, you know, those are our hoods. So we know where they're coming from. And then, you know, just to look at it from, you know, their perspective on how they look at it that way. So then we get to, you know, they recruit um, Jamie and a few other boys. Pablo um, loads them up with guns. They teach them how to shoot. He gives them hugs. They feel honored. You know, that they're even in the, you know, in the company of someone like a Mr. Escobar. So then we get to the next scene, which <laughs> this is a very, very funny scene to me. We get to the next scene and we see Pablo and Gotcha. They sitting there chilling. And then you see Navigante, ugly ass in the background, being sneaky, lurking, uh, trying to soak up all the information anywho we get to gotcha and pablo and they're sitting there and they're talking you know gotcha trying to tell him like carrillo is a cop you can bribe him and pablo is like look i didn't try everything i didn't try this i didn't try that he's like offer him more money you know and then he like but speaking uh he's like it's either plateau or plomo which is silver or lead gotcha says Spe speaking of lead and he's telling him how he has everything coming in, how he's ordered all these guns. He has Uzis, machetes, et cetera, et cetera, even a freaking missile. So that's when Navigante walks up and he said El Patron, which is boss. And they look at the news and who do they see on the news, which is real footage of Big Bush on the news. And this is when Nate introduced crack cocaine because Big Bush now, you know, Reagan's, his, his, his reign is over. So now, you know, Bush is president. So he shows how crack cocaine look and how they confiscated it and right, you know, they caught somebody making a sale right across the street from the White House. And they're, they're basically on the news telling the cartel that, hey, Bush is in here now and the rules have changed. Pablo looks at Gotcha and say, he's kidding, right? You know, because they probably didn't know what crack cocaine, crack cocaine was over there. I'm not sure, but I'm just guessing like, you know, we don't know. You know, they didn't send it over here like that. They sent it as cocaine. But anywho, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. office say he's smoking that shit. I guarantee it. I don't know why. I could watch that part over and over. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Anywho, so we I, uh, gotcha on, on the show was just funny as hell. I, I just... I laugh anyway. So we go to the next scene and you can see Gavira with his wife and, you know, she's uh, feeding him dinner and she's upset and nervous because, you know, the neighbors don't want them in the neighborhood. And that would be hard on any woman, you know, when you're trying to support your husband and then you get all that criticism from everybody else. Because even though he's, you know, on the side of the law and trying to do the right thing, um, him being on top of the you know, in charge of the search block and that task force, they are putting their family and neighbors in danger. So then we see one of his colleagues come to visit him. And, you know, first he's scared to open the door. He looks and makes sure it's safe. He's always, like, oh, you come on in. He's happy to see him. And he comes in what? With the bride saying, Mr. Escobar has offered you uh, $6 million American money, you know, and he, Guevara looks at him and he like say his name. So when he tells him that he came from Escobar, he basically tell him get the get the H out. You could tell if they were probably not in his home where his wife is at, he would have blanked him up. Try not to cuss. But we get to the next scene and we show Pena and Murphy. They're sitting there in, in Pena's car. 
Pena's telling him about how he um, basically left a bride at the altar and they're waiting for their new informant to come. Uh, Navigante, he pulls up, gets in the car with them because he's a slime ball. And he tells them that he wants to turn over on Gotcha and give them information. So they're shocked. They're like, we know you said we had information, but you never said it was fucking Gotcha. And, you know, they're like, why now? Why why would he want to just flip now? And he's been working for Gotcha all these years. We find out why he wants to flip. And Navigante definitely was a real person. So this character is based off a real person who really was a, just a slime ball really dirty man and we see that later on you know that he came why he really was doing what he was it he says he was doing it because you know he felt gotcha was going to get them killed with everything he was doing but we know that's completely a lie and he was coming in there and he's giving them all information letting them know where gotcha's going to be at so then they go back the two agents they meet with the ambassador lets her know what's going on and then we get to the next scene and they finally have the communist priest and the cia and the military is waterboarding him which is torturing him and i feel like this is very it's hard to watch and and they really especially in the 80s they were known for waterboarding and torture like that's yeah so then we go to the next scene and we see Connie and Elisa from the M19. They're arguing and she's like, how could you be a communist? And she like, have you, do you know anything about communism? You know, you coming over here to our country and you just telling me, do you know anything about communism? Have you ever met a communist? So, you know, Elisa kind of throws it back in Connie's face. And, you know, she just tells her she fell in love with a man and that's how she got into it. It's relatable, right? So then we go back to Pena and Murphy and they're deciding who will do what, who's going to go and try to take down Gotcha now that they had info on him and who's going to get Elisa out of the country with her new visa because he has the information because remember he was flirting with the lady. So then we go to the next scene and we see Carrillo and his wife having them a wonderful date lunch. They haven't been out in a while. They're excited to get out. They're, um, you know, making jokes about them having security and how they're, you know, when they were 16, how it would be the father sending a chaperone to watch after them. And then we see a Sicario coming in with the hit because, remember, he turned down the bribe. He said, F the money. So we see a Sicario coming in there attempting to do a hit, but he hits the bodyguard and Guevara, not Guevara, I'm sorry, Carrillo kills him. So the Sicario does not get away with that. We get to the next scene and we see Guevara in his home and he gets the call that someone put a hit out on Carrillo, but it didn't go through. He hears a noise and gets scared and goes sees if it's his wife and him and his wife have a heart to heart talk and she lets him know, you know, do what you have to do. Don't be afraid. Stand up for what you believe in. She kind of give him that, you know, loving talk and he decides what he has to do. And Guevara is ready to give his speech to let you know the american press and know what side is he's going to be on and he goes to give a loving speech and this was true you know he did run for president and eventually became president but what's false is um these these dea agents they weren't just on the front line like that so they weren't there that's dramatized for the show and he goes to give a speech that columbia you know god made it so beautiful that you know it was not fair to the world and they had to put a few apples bad apples in there and that would be the narcos and he lets them know like there will be a future and he believes in the extradition so now he's let let it be known that he was staying with the extradition it shows gustavo and pablo watching him on tv and gustavo walking away pissed off because now he knows that the war has started pablo will not go down without a fight then we go to the next scene and we see gotcha his new missile has arrived with his explosive device and he is practicing on on a car and everybody's clapping gotta love gotcha then we get to the next scene and carrillo has had it he's pissed off an attempt on his life and his wife's life was just made and he is pissed off and he don't give a damn who Pablo Escobar is. So he calls him personally and just lets him know like, hey, you want to come after my family? I know where your mom was at today. I know where your wife was at today. He even makes an insult on his son's name. And then Pablo goes on and just saying, you're dead. 
you know, he gets a threat of it. And the way how he did that, even with the stutter, it was just amazing. He's a brilliant actor. Um, he had to even go to the guy who played Pablo had to go to college um, for this part just to learn Spanish because he didn't even know Spanish. So kudos to him. And that was my review for episode five. We are halfway through. I hope you guys are enjoying the content. I could talk about this over and over and over and over again. Uh, I know it probably would be better if I had a co-host because we could kind of like, you know, talk to each other. It's kind of better sometime when you have a conversation going on with somebody. But I am trying my best and I did do it different this time. I kind of Instead of, you know, going scene by scene and then going back over it, saying what was facts or not, I kind of just did it while I was going over it. So I hope you guys enjoyed enjoyed it that way. And I hope you guys did enjoy my review. Um, I will continue. We're going to do all 10 episodes of season one. So I hope you guys are definitely enjoying the content. And that was the recap of episode five. And guys, I just wanted to say, if you are new to my platform, if you have been checking in on all my episodes, I do just want to thank all the new listeners out there. I hope you are enjoying the content. I do plan on doing more creative things and getting more better. You know, I do tell you guys this all the time. It's very new. I'm trying to get used to it. And in the process, I am relocating to a different state. I'm moving. I'm just doing a lot right now. And I'm in the process of writing my first novel. So it was kind of a bad time to start. But, you know, I just felt like if I didn't go ahead and start now, I would have never started. I've been wanting to do commentary and do talk, talk offs for a long time. Uh, never did it because sometimes I just didn't believe in myself. I didn't know if I could do it. Always worried about the criticism. And with everything that happened with 2020, with the pandemic, everything getting shut down, I just realized I'm going for everything I want. I'm going for my dreams. If you don't like it, you just don't like it. You don't have to listen. You don't have to watch. But I enjoy content. I enjoy creative content. I enjoy audio content. So I'm going to give my opinions, you know, and and do this. Like, I'm really excited about it. So when I, after I relocate, I plan on getting more equipment, more, uh, you know, microphones and everything and buying, you know, a personal laptop for my audio because, you know, I have everything private from my writing so I do mainly everything off my phone so you know I'm just getting started too so if you want to start if you're listening and you want to start a podcast and you were scared like I was grab your phone and do it don't let anybody tell you what you can't do believe in yourself because some people will tell you you can't do something just because they're afraid they can't do it so you know I just want to tell you go after what you believe in let's you know just do it you know you can only fail if you don't try you know and then don't worry about what nobody thinks about you people are always going to have an opinion if their opinion go for your dream life is too short believe in yourself and know that you will do great you know do what you want to do do what you succeed to do so if you are listening you know I just want to tell you I've been there I'm just starting off I know I'm not the best at this but I'm trying that's why I try to give my listeners the authentic version of me the real me you know so if you ever have to humble me you let me know because I hate when people you know they start off and they're so humble and then they just get the big head you know I'm always afraid to get too cocky and arrogant because I know just how I got it it can be took away from me in five minutes so you know, I'm going after my dreams. I'm going after everything I want to do. Um, my plan is to, after I get done writing my book, I've already have another plan and another, you know, second script that's going to be a continuation. And then I have another script I want to work on as well. I'm trying to do one at a time, but I wouldn't mind making it, you know, an audio script, an audio podcast, you know, hire some people on. And we just make an audio version of it. Everything is just reality TV this, reality TV that. Everything just sucks now. And, um, you know, just for some upcoming things I have, I'm trying to just push content out so you guys can listen. You know, if you're busy. I know sometimes when I ride in my car, I don't feel like listening to music. Or if I'm working out, sometimes you just don't. You might work out a lot or just, you know, you just don't want to hear music. So you want to hear some commentary. So I'm trying to push commentary out if you like the stuff I talk about um, and you're listening. Because towards the end of the month, it's going to kind of slow down by I'll really be busy trying to uh, relocate and get everything moved to the new state I'm relocating to. Um, I do have a couple plans that I, a couple things I want to work on. 
We're going to finish doing the weekly cruel summers. We also are going to finish doing the Narcos because this is one of my favorite shows. I can't wait to get off into the snowfall. I'm definitely passionate about that because that directly affected my community. So I'm definitely going to get off into snowfall. And then when you think about it, Narcos and and snowfall they tie into each other and it's so deep because it's all true you know not the not the characters and everything but the story is definitely true and we get so into the shows where we root for the people we probably shouldn't root for then when you think about it like damn this ruined a community this ruined a whole freaking community so i'm gonna get off into that um excuse me if i start ranting and raving because like i said it affected my community so definitely gonna talk about that and another fun show i was thinking about i wanted to do uh two of them i want to do the nostalgic 90s tv shows because we're reviewing tv shows now and it, a lot of tv shows just aren't good as they used to be but i want to just go over what were like my favorite shows and you know the platforms that they came on the cable networks and then i want to do a 90s favorite movies version so i want to do that i think that'll be really dope that'll be fun to do and also i want to do a documentary uh a recap and that's going to be on crack it's on netflix so before we do it watch it it's on netflix it's called crack because that documentary is coming up too so this week or so um, i'm going to definitely be pushing out heavy content because it's going to slow up towards the middle of the month because i'll be doing my thing so i do hope that you guys are enjoying your holiday rather if you're with family or friends or just alone like i am today today is just a day to myself because I'm packing. I went to the gym, did a little cardio earlier. I'm about to order me some Texas Roadhouse and get me some good food in, in my stomach, finish packing, and my writer's block finally went away. So get to working back on my script. I was writing last night because I'm um and then I'm gonna get back to that today. Finally got my mojo back or whatever. So I'm excited and I just like sharing stuff with my listeners because, you know, you're tuning in to me. I just want to just be myself. Let's grow together. Let's grow this platform. So thank you guys for tuning in. I do hope you have a good holiday and enjoy yourself. And just remember, you're special. You rock. Whatever you want to go for, do it. Don't let nobody tell you what you can't do because I'm not letting nobody tell me what I can't do. I'm going for everything I wanted to do and everybody has their own timing. So you go on and shine. And on that note, I'm out. Now I'll holler at you next time. Y'all be safe out there. And thanks for tuning in.